0: 1 John chapter four is where we're going to be tonight. We're going to be looking at the first six verses of this chapter. Um, you know, there are there are some scripture, some statements in scripture that that sort of haunt me. They're just kind of uh, if I were to dwell on them too for too long, or meditate on them too deeply, or obsess over them too frequently, they they would keep me awake at night because they warn of impending trouble for believers and alarming developments for the church. And these passages really paint a pretty bleak picture of the deteriorating world around us. I want to just read some of these passages to you. Matthew 24, 9, You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Verse 11 of the same chapter, Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Matthew 24, 12, Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Matthew 24, 24, false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. John 16, 2, an hour is coming for everyone who kills, uh, w- excuse me, for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. John 16, 33, in the world, you will have tribulation. You know, we always talk about claiming the promises of God, but we don't like these promises Uh, first Timothy four, one, the spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Second Timothy four, three and four, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. (coughs) Excuse me. And then 1 Peter 4:12 says do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. You know we read these verses and and I, I, from time to time I'm I'm asked by people who are alarmed at the spiritual and moral and cultural decline in the world today. They'll say things like Pastor Dave, what is going on around us? What's going on in our what's happening to our schools, to our country, to the world. But I just say in, in light of those haunting scriptures, I have a really a quick and simple answer. You want to know what's happening in the world? Exactly what was predicted. Exactly what this Bible says would happen. You know, we like to focus in on verses, you know, it talks about in the last days, there'll be a great outpouring of the spirit of God. And, and that's true. But we also rem- need to remember at the same time, these other things will be taking place. But with all of that said, the, 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 even with the great the breakdown of, of society around us and the opposition from the world that we experience, John reminds us in in John chapter 4 that the that the greatest dangers that we face are not from without. With all these things that the world may do and the way they may, may dislike us and those sort of thing, that's not the greatest danger. The greatest danger is from within the church. And and to that end, John issues two commands. The first is negative, the second positive. He says, do not believe every spirit and test the spirits. We're going to read it in verse 1 of chapter 4, 1 John. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see (coughs) whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So John again uses he uses a phrase like this over and over again, this word of affection and love. He says, "Dear friends," he sometimes it's dear children, but it's, it's this uh, word, this phrase of affection. He deeply cares for these brothers and sisters in Christ, and he's very much aware uh, that that danger is looking lurking about, possibly even within, and he wants them to be aware of the fact that not every spiritual teacher. It is a credible teacher. There are spiritual deceivers and liars out there, and they work hard to earn our trust and earn the allegiance of people. Uh, But but here's the thing about it. This is what we need to understand. False prophets, false teachers are not new. They've been around for a very, very long time. I want to read some passages, a couple from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament that, that show this. Deuteronomy 13, beginning in verse 1. If a prophet or someone who has dreams arises among you and proclaims a sign or wonder to you, and that sign or wonder he has promised he promised you comes about, but he says, let us follow other gods, which you have not known, and let us worship them. Do not listen to that, that prophet's words or to that dreamer, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. You must follow the Lord your God and fear him. You must keep his commands and listen to his voice. You must worship him and remain faithful to him. That prophet or dreamer must be put to death because he has urged rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the place of slavery to turn you away from the Lord your God has uh, uh, has commanded you to, uh, excuse me, to turn you from the way the Lord your God has commanded you to walk. You must purge the evil from you. Then in De- Deuteronomy 18, but the prophet who dares to speak a message in my name that i have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods that prophet must die you must you may say to yourself how can we recognize a message the lord has not spoken when a prophet speaks in the lord's name and the message does not come true or it <clears throat> or is not fulfilled that is a message the lord has not spoken the prophet has spoken it presumptuously do not be afraid of him and then 2 corinthians 11 I wish you would put up with a a little foolishness from me. Yes, do do put up with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy because I have promised you in marriage to one husband to present a pure virgin to Christ. But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a complete and pure devotion to Christ. For if a person comes and preaches another Jesus whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit which you you had not received, or a different gospel which you had not accepted you put up with it splendidly so john says here do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to determine if they are from god and 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 uh, you know we live in a world it seems to us that there are more false teachers than ever before that's not the case john said here he tells them he said many false teachers have already gone out into the world and so from the very beginning, the false teachers and these false prophets have been there, and then we heard read, read warnings about that even way back in the days of Moses. Um, and so it's it's not that they're new. I think what's different today is that we have access to them in new ways. That it's that everybody can can see their teaching. They can have videos on YouTube. They can go to millions of people. They can have you know uh, things online or whatever it might be. Or, or through traditional media. And so uh, it's more important than ever before for us to realize that this passage is for us today. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they're from God. Now, here's the problem. We, we have to know how to do that. Well, for, first of all, I'll get to that in a minute. The, the responsibility, we need to understand this. The responsibility for testing spirits uh testing the spirits rests not merely on scholars, not just on church leaders. You can't rely on your pastor to figure it out for you, but that responsibility is on every single Christian. This is a church-wide responsibility, community responsibility. We're all to be doctrine detectives. We're all to be theological investigators. We can't just rely on the word of somebody else. Our goal is to determine if these prophets, these teachers are from God, or if their origin is to be found from another source in a a different kind of spirit. But John's point is very straightforward here. Behind every prophet, behind every proclamation, there is an energizing spirit. Now, John does not explain the nature of the interaction between the spirits and the false prophets, but but that there is such an interaction is regarded as self-evident the presence of false prophets in the mind of John clearly demonstrates the fact that there are spirits who have not come from God. Now, we begin to discern who are the true teachers, who are the false teachers, when we understand that their message will inform us as to their origin and their source. The, the, The fact is, every human teacher, whether true or false in their teaching, is motivated by and empowered by something that is often hidden behind the scenes. It may be a spirit of wickedness or falsehood or self-interest or carnality, or it could be a spirit of righteousness and truth and love and holiness. Ultimately, we know that teachers blown about by the winds of error or under the influence of satanic deception, whether they know it or not. Listen, there are many teachers out there that are very sincere in what they're teaching they're very sincere, and they really believe, and they don't realize that they have been deceived by the enemy, and they're teaching false doctrine sincerely. But it still doesn't change the source that this is not from God. And 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 the the flip side of that, that is that teachers that are driven by the winds of truth are empowered by the Holy Spirit. What what it means for us is we we I think we understand this innately, but not all teachers who claim to be from God are from God. We have to know that. Watch, listen, test. You know, it's here in this situation, a healthy dose of spiritual skepticism is warranted. You know, we, we we kind of allergic to that idea of any kind of skepticism because to us, it seems like it's a lack of faith, but that's not what it is at all. It, it, it's actually essential for the health and well-being of the Christian community. John, in essence, what he's saying, his first command is is essentially don't be gullible. Don't, don't believe everything you hear. Look before you leap. Don't just hear somebody who says I'm from God and just swallow everything they say no matter what. Even if it sounds good, you know, a lot of times... A lot of times those, the lies feel, make us feel really good. And, and that's not a determination. You cannot determine if what someone is teaching is true or not by how it makes you feel. You cannot determine it that way. In fact, if that's your only determination, you have no firmer foundation to stand on than anybody in a cult who says, I read this and I had a burning in my bosom, so I knew it was true. You have to have a stronger foundation than that just because you feel something. Here's what, how many of you know, your feelings will lie to you. Have you ever felt something and later you found out, man, I was completely wrong many, many times our our emotions are not reliable. And so we cannot rely on that. We have to understand that we, how to test the spirits, how to figure out what is true and what's false. And that, that, that leads to the second command. He said, we are to test the spirits of teachers to see whether they're from God. Now, in my mind, I picture a well-trained guard dog. You know, you don't hear much about it anymore. how many of you remember, like back in the 70s, Doberman Pinchers, were they were, the, they were the guard dog of choice. I think they're still really popular, but just picture that a well-trained guard dog and the moment that guard dog hears a sound or, or he catches a movement or, or smells something in the air, some new scent in its domain, its ears pop up and its eyes fix on the source. And and if there's a threat, then that watchdog leaps into action to defend its territory. This is the way we need to react. Christians need to be equally alert and equipped to discern between truth and error, particularly in relation to the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. Now, the thing is, there is a tendency with most people to ascribe any unusual phenomenon to God Um, they say well I saw it was really amazing it was powerful it must be God well no that's not necessarily true we know that I'll give you an example Uh, what did Moses do when he went into Pharaoh's courtroom into his throne room and he threw his staff down or what happened turned into a snake And it'd be easy to look at it and say, wow, that's from God. And you'd been right in that case. But what did the Pharaoh's magicians do? They did the exact same thing. So if that's your only determination to say, well, it was really this unusual phenomenon. It was incredible. It must be God. Well, then you would have have been easily deceived by Pharaoh's magicians see uh, it's it's this idea of thinking that well if it's if it's cool if it's moving if it's unusual phenomenon that it must be God well that kind of a lack of discernment opens the door for false teaching and provides an opportunity for de- demonic activity to invade the church Re- remember this spiritual or religious activity is not necessarily godly activity I I uh, uh, I don't know if I can remember all the details of the story, but there's a pastor. I I assume he's still at the church in Meridian, Idaho. Um, I heard him. He was actually itinerating to be a missionary before he became the pastor there, and he came and he spoke at our church. And he told about his uh, how he came to know Christ and and some of the things he learned. But he was involved in this, and and he didn't he didn't name what it was, but it was some kind of uh, the uh, cult, basically that. We talked about the power of the mind and the power to create and all this kind of stuff. And and uh, and he, he was working at the time as a air traffic controller, if I remember correctly. And and he was he was going up the stairs and he was in the middle of all this stuff. And he was searching for truth. And he was and he was determining, you know, what you know, what was going on. And and, and they had this this refrigerator at this one particular landing, in a little break room area. And it was full of coke. Anybody, any of the air traffic controllers that wanted to cope, they could have as much as they wanted. Uh, and he decided he wanted ones. So he stopped there to grab one on the way up to, to the where he was going to be doing his work. And he looked inside the refrigerator and it was empty. Nothing. There was none there. He was so disappointed. And he started going up the stairs. And he then he remembered this cult teaching that he'd been hearing. He didn't know it was a cult at the time. But but uh, he so he said, I'm going to try it. Let's see if it works. And he did whatever it is that he did. And and he immediately ran back down the stairs, just a matter of, of seconds, a matter of a minute or so. And he opened that refrigerator door and the thing was full of Coke. And he said, he said, here's the thing that that he learned from that over the long run, because he later found Christ and realized that all that stuff was a lie. And that is this. Just because it works doesn't mean it's of God. Just because there's some phenomenon there doesn't mean it's of God. So just because there's something that that you see, spiritual or religious activity, that doesn't necessarily mean it's godly activity. Watch and wait. Look and listen. Test the spirits. Don't don't go by how large a crowd the teacher is able to, to attract. Don't be impressed by titles and degrees and letters behind names. Don't be enamored by the beauty of the robe or the sheen of the suit or the eloquence of the voice. Evaluate the message and the messenger. How? By the word of God. See, false prophets are very deceptive in their message. But here's one thing we we cannot say. You cannot say, I was never warned. Because Jesus warned us. He said they were coming. Paul warned us. Peter warned us. Jude warned us. And here John warns us. These false teachers are there. And where there is truth, error will be lurking in the background. So be on the lookout. But our standard, if we want to evaluate anything, our standard is the word of God. Not, as I said, not our emotions. Not if it seems sensible to us. But it's the word of God, the the gospel of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the essential truths of the historic Christian faith. And, you know, when you say that our standard is the word of God, there are some today who may call this thought process, they may say that's narrow minded. But you know what the Bible calls this? Uh, Being skeptical and saying, wait a minute, I want to know if this is really from God or not. The Bible calls that noble minded. Uh, Luke describes those who heard the gospel in Berea in this way. Now, these were more noble minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. The people in the city of Berea, they heard this and they said, I think this sounds like God, but what did they do? They went to the scripture to see if it was so. And, and, and what the word of God teaches us is that you are not being uh narrow minded you're not being uh you know uh, uh you're not being uh, uh exhibiting a lack of faith what you're doing is you're saying i'm not going to just take anything that a person says at face value i want to know what the word of god says about it listen i hope you don't just take what i say and what i teach at face value i hope you compare what i say to the word of god and be, because if i'm ever wrong you don't listen to me. You listen to the Word of God. That's that's the reality behind it. And so, and John uses when he uses he says to test the spirits. He uses this term, dokimazo, and it means to test. And he uses it in a way that's very similar to the way Paul used it in First Thessalon excuse me First Thessalonians chapter five. Paul wrote, examine every. That's that word, test, examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. And the word uh, means to make a critical examination of something to determine genuineness. So a, a gemologist can use his or her knowledge of diamonds to make a critical examination of a ring to determine whether that diamond is genuine. Right? A banker can usually discriminate between a genuine bill and a counterfeit by applying his or her thorough knowledge of the look, feel, and qualities of authentic currency. And so because they are so familiar with what's real, they can spot what's fake. In the same way, believers must have a thorough understanding of the genuine faith. We have to know what the Word of God says in order to be able to test competing cl- truth claims. And listen, there are times when somebody will say something, and it may be something you never never heard before, but the more you get the Word of God in you, uh, the, then the then the, the the quicker you will be to able to discern when the teacher says something and you'll say, mm, something doesn't sound right there. And, and so you go to the Word of God to see. And you may find out that you're wrong, but you may find out that they're wrong. And so we have to know the word. And it's through knowing that the word, then we can give a careful examination of the teaching to see if it's genuinely from God or not. So how do we exercise discernment between the true and the false? Well, John addressed this question in verses two and three. He says this. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. By the way, when he says "come in the flesh," he's dealing with a couple of things there. First of all, you remember um, it was the the he was writing to counteract some false beliefs, some Gnostic beliefs. The Docetists, for example, some of them who said that that Jesus that the Christ didn't really come in the flesh; it only appeared as if he was in the flesh. And others said, well. It, Jesus was just a man, but the Christ came and inhabited him when he was baptized and then he left before he was crucified. And so when he uses the word flesh here, it really uh, pulls into it, not just the fact that he was born as a human, that he had human flesh, but also it talks, it's, it's really pulling into the idea of his death and resurrection as well, it, bodily resurrection. So every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So by getting to know this one thing thoroughly, intimately, frontward, backward, inside out, then you'll be able to discern truth from error. Like like the gemologist spotting the fake diamond through a magnifier or the banker identifying the fake hundred dollar bill with a few simple tests believers will be able to hear the voice of the spirit of truth in the authentic uh, preachers of the word and they'll be able to discern the spirit of error in the fakes so what is this thing by which a person can know the spirit of god know that the spirit is behind the teaching well actually it's not a thing but it's a person the person of jesus christ and once again as he's done previously in this letter, John makes it very, very plain that Christianity is rooted and grounded in the Christological question, what do you believe about Jesus? That is the most important question. John says, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So the Christian faith centers on the person and the work of Jesus. Uh, a man named I, Howard Marshall, he wrote this. He said, if a person claims to believe in Jesus, it is proper to ask, is your Jesus the real Jesus? Because in today's world, there are a lot of people that will say, I believe in Jesus, but they're not talking about the Jesus as as revealed in the Bible. I remember years and years ago um, there was a uh, on uh, uh, one of Oprah's shows. They were having some o- open conversation about I don't remember what it was. I think it was about homosexuality. I'm not sure for sure about that. But but then one one woman stood up and she said in a very kind way. She wasn't mean about it. She wasn't harsh. She wasn't judgmental. But she just said something about what the word of God says, uh, and and that this is the, whatever if it was that it was a sinful lifestyle. And I remember uh, when she said that Oprah interrupted her and she said, not my Jesus, my Jesus loves not my Jesus. Well, listen, I'm here to tell you if your Jesus doesn't match the Jesus described in the Bible, it's not the real Jesus. It's a fake Jesus. It's, you're, you're listening to a false teacher. And Jesus, he, he said he didn't come to abolish the law, did he? He came to fulfill it. So, so uh, that's just another example. It, it, what, what one thinks about Jesus has enormous, enormous consequences. In a real sense, it determines everything. You tell me what you think about Jesus, and I will tell you 95% of the rest of your theology. He is the center the hub of all theology, all of it radiates out from him. So once more, are you confessing the true Christ? Do you confess with the apostles? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. See, the the, the right teaching concerning Jesus is the number one litmus test. What do they say? Does this person delivering the teaching confess Jesus as God incarnate? Do, Do they believe Christ to be the eternal son of God? Do they profess personal faith in Jesus, as Savior and Lord? And do they point others to do the same? Does, does this preacher or teacher, here's a, here's a more subtle one. Does this preacher or teacher place Christ at the center of the teaching and at the head of the ministry, consistent with his right position as Savior and Lord? Or is the teacher putting himself or herself at the center of everything? John couldn't have been clearer. Authentic teachers who are motivated by the spirit of truth confess faith in the true Jesus. Now in NIV it says that they acknowledge Jesus. Authentic teachers who are motivated by the spirit of truth confess the true Jesus. And that the word translated acknowledges in the NIV, it's translated as confess in other translations, that sort of thing. But that word implies, the Greek word implies a wholehearted whole life profession of personal faith in Jesus Christ. And in its fullest sense, the word not only, not only means to concede that something is factual or true, that is, that is part of the meaning of the word, but it also conveys a, a profession of allegiance. And that's why Paul could, could warn about false teachers who, as he said in Titus he, 1.16, he said they, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. So what that means that it wasn't a true confession because they're saying the right words, but the life is not matching the words that they confess. So true confession is, is not just saying the right words, but it's, it's a change of life. Both elements, words and deeds, mark a true confession. And those who deny Christ, either in their twisted teaching or in a lurid lifestyle, they're motivated, he said, by the spirit of the Antichrist. And what, what Satan will one day accomplish through one Antichrist and one false prophet, he is now trying to accomplish through many Antichrists, excuse me, and many false prophets. And we talked about that whole idea of the Antichrist a couple, two or three weeks ago, uh, and understanding that that he's not talking about, he's talking about the spirit of Antichrist, which means anything that is against Christ. Anything that is against Christ as that's part of the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, and and because the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the world, and we know he's the spirit of Antichrist is definitely at work in the world because the world is definitely against the true Jesus. Now they're they're happy to proclaim a Jesus that's just a you know a good guy, a good teacher, you know somebody who loves everybody and doesn't ever talk about sin. They're happy to 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 uh, to embrace that Jesus, but but they're definitely against the Jesus of the Bible. And and so because of that, because the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the world and has been since the early days of the church, we must be ever diligent to distinguish truth from error. Now, when you're trying to discern between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, the first thing you have to do is listen very carefully to the one who's teaching ask yourself what they're teaching about Jesus. Are they teaching things that line up with the whole of what scriptures have already revealed about Jesus and about God? Are, are they teaching something that diminishes Jesus? Are they teaching something that makes his work less important? For example, uh, you know, if, if they're talking about how you have Jesus plus you have to do these works over here in order to make it into heaven... Now you have diminished the work of Jesus because you're saying he's not enough. You have to do this, too. So that's false teaching. I I would also add this, and this is a a lot more subtle. Listen carefully to not only what is said, but listen and pay attention to what is not said. What does the teacher conveniently leave out? Some, Some false teachers will go on and on and on and on without ever mentioning Jesus at all. They'll talk about everything else. They'll talk about life and better life and all these things, but they don't talk about Jesus. Or they'll talk about how to make your life great without ever mentioning the problem of sin and our guilt that was solved by the work of Christ on the cross. Um, You know, ask yourself, do they make much of themselves instead of Christ? Do they talk more about themselves and how great they are even if they frame it in this way say where they say man I am this in Christ we're so caught up in, in today's world especially in the pentecostal churches with trying to figure out who we are in Christ that we we, we forget that we just what we really got to know is who he is that's what we really need to know who is Jesus and, and so do they make much of themselves or do they do their teachings make much of men Do they elevate men to a higher level people, humanity, uh, you know, and say, well, you are, you know, like there's, there's one teacher, uh, uh, that, that has even said, uh, over very overtly. He has even said at one point in time in his ministry, he has said, we are like little gods. No, we're not. When somebody says something like that, that is false teaching. Um, do, do they make much of man? Do, do they focus on eternal issues or do they focus on temporary comfort? These are important questions they, They'll help you discern whether, whether you need to be listening to this person and believing them or if you need to be maybe looking somewhere else. Also, listen carefully to their wording. False teachers, this is especially true when you get really into cults, but they love to use classic Christian language with completely different definitions. So you got to listen. When they use a word, you have to ask yourself, wait, what do they mean by that? Do they mean what the Bible says? And and you, when you put all the pieces together, sometimes you'll find that they, that they don't. You can mark that down and you can reject that teaching and say, that's a false teacher. I don't want anything to do with that. So critically evaluate the things you hear. How do you do that? Well, you have to study God's word well enough to determine whether a claim is true or false. This is, I've said this many times, I'll say it many, many more times. I think one of the biggest challenges that, that the church in America faces is that a, a, a huge segment of those that are involved in the church, and I'm not saying they're not Christian, uh, but I'm saying that even those Christians just don't know the word. They know worship songs, which some of them are great and some of them are horrible because, because some of them sing more about me than they do about Jesus. Um, and, and, but, but we've got to know the word. We've got to get into the word. We have to, it's, and it's a discipline. We have to get ourselves into this. We have to train ourselves. That's what Paul said at one point in time. He said, train yourself for godliness. And he uses the word train, it's actually gumnazo, which is a, which is a word for, uh, for sweat, like in a gym where you're working so hard. So he's, he's not saying this is a simple thing, he's saying, listen, sweat your way to godliness. Work hard at this, do what you can. Now, you can't change your life, you can't make yourself a child of God, But once you are a child of God, he has given us the word of God. So I can then put effort into learning what it says and get that word of God in me to the point where it serves as a safeguard for me, because then the Holy Spirit can begin to pull those things back to my memory. See, here's the thing. We rely on the Holy Spirit to say, you know, Jesus said he'll bring back to your memory all that you need, you know, in the moment when you need it. But the problem is for a lot of us, we don't have it in there for him to pull it back up. Right. And so study God's word well enough to determine whether a claim is true or false. Let's go on to verse four. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We'll stop there. So while believers this is really important for us to get while believers are to test the spirits, they are not to fear them. He says, greater is he that is in you. Test the spirits. If if there's an evil satanic spirit behind some teaching or some philosophy, you can call it out, but you don't have to be afraid of it. Because John's readers are from God. They have overcome them. They are genuine believers and followers of Christ who confess the true faith and they live a life consistent with their confession. And by consistent with their confession doesn't mean perfect. Because nobody's here is perfect. Nobody here has reached a place where you are walking in sinless perfection. Am I am I right in assuming that? Right. Yeah. I, I don't. I know that's true. I know that's true for all of us. So that's not what I'm talking about. But but the, a life consistent with confession means that when I do sin, that I do like what John said in First John chapter one verse nine. I confess that sin and I let God cleanse me of of that sin he forgives me that sin. He cleanses me of all unrighteousness. I deal with it. I get it out of my life as quickly as possible. And later, later John says this very, very clearly. In chapter five, verse five, he has said, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. He's saying, you want to know how to overcome? Put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. When John says to his, that his re- readers have overcome them, I think one of the questions we have to ask is, who is them? He said, uh, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Who is them? Well, I think, obviously, in the context of the letter, the, 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 he's referring to the vast number of those who are not from God, those who are from the world. He probably has in mind specifically those unbelievers who are starting with the false teachers, but also those that are antagonists, those are who are persecutors. But we need to understand that even though that's who he's referring to, it still applies to any spirit of Antichrist. Anything that any teaching or attitude or philosophy that, that goes against Christ or against his work, that's included. That we have overcome that. We have not succumbed to that. Uh, now, how do true believers overcome then? Well, it's not by their own holiness. It's not by their own wisdom. It's not by their own strength. So their victory is not to be flaunted for they, they, they had not accomplished this overcoming on their own, but they overcame by the Spirit of God who lives with them. It says they, they had overcome because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. God's Spirit is the one who teaches us, leads us into the truth, and strengthens us when we come toe to toe with antichrist spirits and the spirit of god who is within us is mightier than any enemy of the truth whether human or demonic we need not shrink back from the battle that's ahead of us we need not shrink back when the when the world shouts us down and says oh you're just a bunch of bigots we need not shrink back because greater is the one that is in us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We, we, we have the assurance that the one inside of us is greater than the one that's in the world. It's, as Hillary uh, of, of Arles said, I don't even know who that is, but I just found this quote. He once said this, God's power to save is always much greater than the devil's power to do harm. Isn't that good news? Now he also, he goes on and continues to describe whoever them is in verse 5. He says they they are from the world and they are captivating others by their deception. Now, whether they're in worldly academics or worldly science or worldly culture, false religion, politics, philosophy, finance, these false teachers say things that the rest of the world loves to hear. And their worldly hearers will eagerly swallow the lies without question. Now, in that context, in that setting, when the Christian speaks out against the unsound doctrines and against unholy living of these deceivers, then the world rises up in unison to condemn the truth as foolish, ignorant, narrow-minded, bigoted, mean-spirited, or even in today's world, even hateful and dangerous. The, these demonically inspired worldly people speak in accordance with with the world's values, and therefore it is of little wonder that the world listens to them. The world listens to those who promote its values, which is, you know, which is it's 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 at least a some measure of an indica- indicator. If if you're in a, involved in a church that the world says, man, that that church is awesome. Well, I'm not talking about people just unsaved people. I'm talking about the worldly system. If the world looks at my theology and says, oh, I agree with that wholeheartedly, I probably have a problem with my theology. Because that's telling me something. And there are many of the mainline denominations that are going down that road. And it's as if they're trying to compete in a popularity contest to make sure that they're accepted in the world today. I don't care if we're accepted in the world today because I'm not living for this world. But false teachers are very popular with the world because like the false prophets of the old testament they just tell people what they want to hear if this contest were an us against them popularity contest christians would lose every single time big time people don't want to hear about sin they don't want to hear what needs to change in their lives they don't want to hear that, that their lives are, are in any way displeasing to God or that they have, have to change their behavior. Um, and, and that's the world we live in. But the false teachers belong to the world and speak from that limited perspective. But he goes on and he says, however, we, they're, they're of the world, speaking from the world, from that perspective, but we, he says, are from God. Look at verse six. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. John and his readers are from God, not the world. And just as the world listens to people from the world, John says in the same way, whoever knows God listens to us. Therefore, whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Um, now now the we and the us in this passage it's you know i think john is including his readers but i think even more so he's uh, he's referring to the apostles john was you know the the last of the living, last living apostle of christ one of the of the 12 apostles and i think when he's saying they listened to us he's talking about the teachings of the apostles the historic christian faith and, and the world gladly accepts and listens to false teachers, but the apostles found a, a different audience. Whoever knows God or was open to knowing God, the, the world or those who are not from God rejects, they reject the apostles' message. Um, and, and so this provides another way to determine who has the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So putting all this all together, then we see that John's readers may test the spirits by their true confession of Christ, which includes a lifestyle of holiness that their life has changed. So it's not just words, but their words and their actions and by their adherence to apostolic teaching. So that leads us to a very important question. How in the world can we listen to the apostles' teachings since they've been dead for thousands of years? Any, any ideas? There you go. Sam's raising up his Bible. It's because it's right there. It's recorded right there in the word. We again, we need to get the word in us. We need to know what it says. And and, and that's the record of the apostles teaching uh, in in the New Testament, particularly anyone who rejects the apostolic witness about Christ. You know, I mean, they saw him. They walked with him. They know who he is. They saw what he did. They witnessed his resurrection. You know, uh, they they were there when he ascended into heaven. They were there on the day of Pentecost. They are powerful, powerful witnesses of Christ and his work and the work of the Holy Spirit. And anyone who rejects that, he says, uh, has been influenced by the spirit of falsehood. Now, that phrase, the spirit of falsehood, is very, very interesting. It has the idea behind it of wandering away from the truth. So here's, here's something that's so often very true about false teachers. False teachers, false prophets, those who listen to their teachings, they hang around the truth for a while. They'll, they'll take one little nugget, one little truth, and they use that as springboard to go into something different. And, and so they hang around the truth for a while, but they don't stay. They wander away. Again and again, the error comes back to what they think and believe about Jesus. The Bible says he is God, but they wander away and deny his eternal deity. The Bible says that he is sinless, but they wander away and say he sinned or that he at least committed error. The Bible says he did miracles, but then they wander away and say that these are just myths and fables, that there's no such thing as miracles. The the, the Bible says he is the only Savior but they wander and wander away and say, well, he is a savior. The Bible says that he is the the only way to the to the father. And, and they they wander away and say, well, he is one of many ways that we're all going to get there. Eventually, the Bible says that he died on the cross for our sins, but they wander away and they deny penal substitution, which just means that he Took our place and paid our penalty on the cross, and they they instead call that cosmic child abuse. There's a liberal theologian that has actually said that the Bible says he rose bodily from the dead, but they wander away from that and say, well, the disciples just imagined that he did. The Bible says that he ascended into heaven as Lord, but they wander away from the truth and they say, well, that's just another myth. The Bible says that he's coming again, but they wander away from that and say it's just pop Christian fiction. The Bible says that he will. Just Judge us all, but they wander away from it and say, oh, no, no, no. God is love and eventually everybody's going to get saved. Listen, we know this the tr- this is the truth. A battle is indeed raging for the hearts and the minds and the souls of men and women. And it's up to us to hear the clarion call of God and to be a good soldier of the cross and a good soldier of, of Christ, a, a, a good soldier of that which is right and that which is true. And and so test the spirits. Confess Jesus as Lord in your words and in your deeds. Trust the Holy Spirit who's within you and then stay rooted and grounded in the word of God. Here is your strength. Here is your safety. Here is your salvation. Would you bow your head, let's pray. Father, Father, We thank you that we have a a strong foundation And, and Lord, that there is no other foundation except for Christ. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to make our minds up, that we will train ourselves for godliness, that we will get into the word. We will do what we need to do, that we would fill our minds and be changed, that our minds would be washed by your word, that so that God, we would know who you are and what you're like so that when we hear some false teaching we'll be ready we'll be ready to 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 throw up the 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 guards and say no 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 that's that is not of god we'll know it because we know you and we know your word and lord i pray that you would empower us by your spirit that you'd make your word come alive to us in such a way that we would that we'd be able to hear your voice that we'd uh when you hear we when you prompt us and you say hey Hey, pay attention to me here. Pay attention to this. Something's not right here. God, that we'll pay attention. We'll get into your word and we'll be like the Bereans. That we'll get into the word to see if what they said is so. Lord, I pray that you would help us in this world that's full of false teachers and false teachings and doctrines of demons, that we would, we would be guarded by your spirit, that you would keep us on that straight and narrow pathway that we would be the army of God, that we would be the church that proclaims the truth even though it is not popular in the world around us. And we pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.